this apocalyptic thriller from award-winning writer and director Sam Ismail. Amanda and her husband Clay rent a luxurious home for the weekend with their kids, Archie and Rose. Their vacation is soon unpended when two strangers, G.H. and his daughter Ruth, arrive in the night, bearing news of a cyber attack, a mysterious cyber attack, and seeking refuge in their house they claim is theirs. The two families reckon with a looming disaster that grows more terrifying by the minute, forcing everyone to come to terms with their places in a collapsing world. Welcome to the Legit Cool Podcast. My name is River. I am the founder of this podcast. This is a movie talk where we review and analyze and critique movies and TV series. It's actually mostly movies, TBH. Um, but every now and then we throw in a TV series episode. Maybe ones that we like, I guess, or and the most recent one we ones that we don't like, like the Lord of the Rings TV series. But anyway, this is um this is a Netflix movie. Leave the world behind. Um This is incredibly popular, this movie on Netflix. It has forty one point seven million views. I think in its opening week. Or opening weekend or something like that um there isn't really an estimated budget for this uh i couldn't really find anything on that front the movie runs for a total of two hours and 20 minutes um and it was released on 22nd of november this year as it stands the rotten tomato score is 76 percent by the critics and a very very low low rating from the audience with 34% um, I'm probably going to have to agree with the audience on this one 34% um, this is a very long movie and uh, uh, there was a lot of hype around it there was a lot of uh, people asking me if I was going to be reviewing this one and um, sure enough I am <laughs> and uh, we're going to get into this review we're going to deep dive into it like usual if you're a new listener to the channel Thank you for jumping in. Um, I hope you enjoy your time here. Uh, just as much as we enjoy, or I myself, the only reviewer on this uh, particular episode today. Um, enjoy it as much as we love talking about movies. So, um, yeah, we're going to deep dive into this.
Now, I want to start off by talking a little bit about the consensus right now. So, according to the, the critics, this is all from Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the critics' consensus is an exceptionally well-acted apocalyptic thriller leaving leave the world behind, steadily draws the viewer in despite its leisurely pace and somewhat simplistic messaging. It's interesting they say leisurely paced because it is very, very slowly paced. I think they were just being nice, or Rotten Tomatoes were being nice by putting the word leisurely pace. It's just slow paced, and it's actually not a good slow pace. Uh, the audience consensus, however, is after a pretty strong start, leave the world behind, loses its way, fumbling an interesting premise with unlikable characters, unbelievable dialogue, and a disappointing ending. I couldn't agree more with that. And I would elaborate a lot more and say that the the dialogue is... Um, I don't know if it's like incredibly unbelievable, but uh, there, there, are, there are some moments with some of the characters. Like, for example, the character played by... Um, who's it played by? The daughter, the daughter of Mahasha Ali's character g h scott her name is ruth scott um like i think a lot of her dialogue seems a bit too superficial and unre unbelievable in the words of the of the consensus it does feel a little bit unbelievable because uh, i suppose a a young female um with that type of uh, talk back and smart ass comments it's not too unbelievable i mean i think i know some some young people like that. Um, but maybe that's what they're talking about. It's unbelievable in that way, some of the dialogue. And the characters are incredibly unlikable. Even, even I would say, Ethan Hawke's character, he's probably the most likable, but then even then he's, he's not likable because he's not written in a way that um, sort of leads itself or leans itself to... Um, caring enough about these characters and I, and I think this is what the biggest problem of the film is and maybe i should get into my first impressions um yeah let me get into my first impressions of this and my overall review before we get into the recap so um for a movie that is about doomsday um the end of the world an apocalyptic world you want characters that you root for. You want characters that you care for. Because by the time you get to the end of the film, um, you want there to be this connection that makes you believe that a scenario like this would really um, come to life. So you can connect on an emotional level um, with the story that's anchored by good characters. And the characters are just not really that likable. Um you know, and Julie Roberts' character, she plays this uh, uh, archetype character that is um, very unlikable, <laughs> and uh, you kind of hate her throughout the whole time. Uh, and she she goes through. Uh, she, if, if anything, she probably has the most recognizable character arc in this. She has like a full arc, even though it's a little bit underwhelming. Um. She starts off as this, like, you know, super bitch type character that you just don't really care for and you hope that she's going to die first in the apocalyptic uh, showdown. 
but then you like the the character starts to be written in a way where she has like a soft side to her. She explains and justifies why she is the way she is. Um, she's almost a little bit nihilistic and um, has this kind of attitude of you know people people are bastards. You know, so why should I even care? Why should I even try? Um, and so you see this kind of charming, gentle side to her uh, when her and Mahashali's character and GH Scott when they have this. I guess it's like a beautiful moment of the movie where there's they stop and pause it and ponder that there is some some hope to be to hold on to. Um, there is a little bit of that, but then it's kind of odd because it doesn't quite fit the tone or uh, let's say the narrative that that um, Sam and Ruman is trying to trying to show us. So it doesn't. It doesn't really know what's what it's trying to be. Um, it kind of jumps around a little bit too much there. So, yeah, I mean, you know, as far as the consensus goes with the audience, like I very much agree with that whole consensus, as opposed to what the critics are saying. Um, the only thing that I would agree with the critics is the leisurely pace. It's just a slow-paced film, and it's not paced very well. That there's no sense of suspense. You know, there's no good build up to a suspense there's no really good build up to the um the final act or the finale or the message that they're trying to that sam is trying to give us um it really doesn't know what it's trying to be in that respect which is a bit disappointing because i think the premise is that like the concept is there the concept of um the world has been taken over by essentially controlled ai you know there's Two cyber attacks. No, sorry, two cyber attacks. There's there's a whole cyber attack that's going down, and it's taking place in the backdrop of New York City, which you never see, by the way. You only see from a distance New York City kind of blowing up at the end. Um, and I, I think this is where some of the problems really creep in and become so heavy that it it distracts you from what the concept is, which is an apocalyptic ending to the world um we're not grounded in any kind of city at all there's you don't see anyone else other than these two families you hear of other people you know you hear of other attacks or you hear of um the city supposedly going down but you never see it and that can that becomes a problem in this film because there just isn't uh there's no way of knowing that the danger is as serious as what they make it out to be. So the the director and the writers, like, I think they struggle big time in trying to um, express how this apocalyptic um, apocalyptic idea is going down. Um, and what makes it more frustrating is that it's uh, hard to understand what the director is really trying to go for. Um, there's too much mystery and there's not enough answers. I'm okay with mystery. I mean, I love mystery. I love thriller. I love, I love, um, I, I love the sense of disbelief and, um, I love the suspension, you know, the ride of suspension towards an end that makes sense. And here it doesn't really fulfill to any kind of promise that the movie or the director is trying to give us or is in the... I don't even know what the trade is trying to do here. Um, so, 
with a pretty big cast, right? Julia Roberts, Mahatali, Ethan Hawke. Um, I don't know how to say this name, but I want to say that it's like Mahala, I guess. Farah McKenzie and Charlie Evans. And there's other actors in here as well. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's good talent pool. Just not much to work with. Not much uh, script or um, script that is... Um, script that makes sense, you know? Um, coherent script. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty disappointing. Um, so some of the things that I do like in here, like the, the characters are... They, the actors do a good job at selling their fear, you know, especially Julia Roberts. I think she does the best job at selling um, this idea that the world is coming to an end, even though she has moments where she doesn't quite believe it. But um, I think her delivery eventually when she believes that something is, something bad is going down and I feel like this is the end of the world. She probably does the best job at selling it. Um, Farrah McKenzie, the daughter, which I think is her real daughter in real life. Um, I think, is it? I actually don't know. <laughs> um, she plays, you know, Farrah McKenzie plays the daughter, Rose. Um, she's a little, she's like an oddball that, um, uh, she's kind of an archetype of maybe recluse teenagers that are stuck in the world of social media and obsessed with, uh, certain things and, um, has, you know, there are some lines that, that her and her brother exchange and her brother pretty much says, yeah, no one listens to you. That's true. Um, it's almost kind of like that archetypical, archetypical character where, um, you're, you're recluse to the world. You're all about social media. Um, and you create your own little silo and nobody wants to listen to you. <laughs> um, she kind of sells the idea because of where her journey goes throughout the film, um, thinking that there's there is some, something definitely wrong. You know, when she interacts with the the deer, and then it takes her down this kind of mystery road that uh, eventually leads to the ending of the film, which is a terrible ending, <laughs> but maybe fitting for not a very good film. Um, the rest of the characters, like they're just they're. they're Everyone just does a fine performance for what they're given, um, which isn't a lot. They're not giving away a lot. Uh, the movie goes out of its way to make everything super mysterious. Um, and you think that you're going to get the answers by the end, but you're just left with even more questions by the end of the film. Um, Mahasha Ali's character, he's the one that is also carrying this through line of... Um, mystery you know he see, he seemingly has this job that knows what's going on but never really wants to wants to believe it um but then eventually when he does believe it he still doesn't give anything away which is frustrating because you you want to know as an as an audience member you want to know what's going on um and again it goes back to what i was saying before it's like it doesn't make any sense that you would um write a film about the apocalyptic event of the world seemingly going down, but as you give more rope to the audience, you're just left with extra rope by the end of the movie because you just don't know. Um, 
you don't know the state of the world beyond what the characters are doing throughout the film. So it's it's the biggest bait, this movie. It's the biggest bait and switch. <laughs> Get to the end, you're like, okay, uh, did the world really end? Or I mean, you saw a couple of explosions and uh, some, some very, very odd deer moments where deer's kind of turned into unicorns or something crazy like that. I don't know. A lot of it's very metaphorical, I suppose. But I don't... Like a metaphor that doesn't give you what the real message is or the message isn't clear by the end is not really a good metaphor, in my opinion. And uh, I think this movie spends so much time indulging in its own mystery that it doesn't pay off at all towards the end. Um, Yeah. That's what I have to say about my first impression. (laughs) Um, In my short review on this film, um, but nonetheless, I want to get into the recap, which is the fun part about this episode. Let's get into the plot. In New York City, Misanthrop, Misanthrop, uh, New York City Misanthrop, Amanda Sanford arranges an impromptu weekend vacation for her family, or for her and her family, with the goal of spending quality time together. She, her husband Clay, and their children Rose and Archie drive to a rental house on Long Island. While shopping for groceries, she sees a man stocking up on large quantities of canned food and water. As the family relaxes at a nearby beach, they witness an oil tanker run a grow. <laughs> run a grow? Run a ground. Oh, sorry, run a ground. <laughs> and they retreat. After returning to the house, they find the TV and Wi-Fi inoperable and see their pair of see a pair of deer in the yard. So this is the beginning of an ominous feeling that is laced throughout the entire movie. I mean, if there's one word to describe the tone, it's ominous. Ominous and mysterious. So scary and unpredictable. Um, which, is, like, it's it's kind of a cool way to get into a film. Like, a, like, like most thrillers have really, really good mysterious opening scenes. Um, and... And in fact, like a thriller that I saw recently, which is a great thriller, probably one of David Finch's best films, and I spoke about this on my previous review of Seven, arguably David Finch's best film. Um, I saw The Game, and The Game is a perfect example of what this movie should have been inspired by in terms of storytelling, the reveal of certain events. Um, you never go beyond what the character is experiencing in, in the movie The Game. And I feel like this movie is trying to do that, or at least um, I think it should try and do that. Um, and then eventually give us like a very, very good conclusion at the end. I mean, the game, you don't get the answer until like, I don't know, like the last five minutes of the film, which was an awesome ride all the way through. Um, and you're, ne- you're always sort of, um, jumping in between those two worlds of like 
is it a real game? Is it a fake game? Is it a real game? Is it a fake game? And the payoff was brilliant. Whereas a film like this is, um, you never really, or at least I wasn't really in those two minds of like, is this, is this um, eventually going to, like, is the movie eventually going to end all the lives that we see, all the characters that we we're following, and end the lives of the people in New York City, or is it not? It's like I never was jumping in between the two worlds, and I think good thrillers, good suspense, are able to take you through two distinct worlds. This movie just doesn't really do any of that. Um, with the uh, <laughs> it's funny, like with the when Julia Roberts is like shopping, and she sees kevin bacon's character for some strange reason i just thought that kevin bacon was her husband the whole time i didn't even pay attention to the fact that it was ethan hawk and i guess they kind of look similar you know but that was that was a weird moment for me <laughs> you know when the when the ship is showing up onto the uh onto the beach um this is probably a good example of of where i think the director doesn't do so well at directing these scenes is that when the ship is coming in, he uses the character Rose to to portray some sense of fear, or oh, I think that's what he's trying to do. But then again, I don't know if he's trying to do that. Um, but like, I'd say like in a good film, the way you would direct that is that the character is is slowly building in fear, but there are close ups. There is perhaps different camera angles and different camera shots, maybe the reaction of other people on the beach, but it's very much isolated on Rose and a little bit on the family. And as the as the ship is coming into the beach, it's it feels like it feels like a like, like a like a sim or something, you know, like an open world sim game where you feel like you're behind the veil and you don't feel any other danger or the fear. It's just kind of happening on screen. And I think this is a directing problem and a storytelling problem. Um, and and I guess this was like a like a teaser to how the rest of the film is going to play out, or how the rest of the events are going to reveal itself. Like you, even in that in that scene where well, I'm going to get to where that scene eventually in this recap, but the scene where the plane is crashing, it's like the like it feels like a documentary that you don't feel the fear or the danger at all. It's it's very quite odd and it's a very much a missed opportunity for this movie to feel fearful. That night, two people, George H. Scott and his daughter Ruth, call in the Sanfords, claiming the house to be theirs. Seeking shelter, they explain that a blackout in the city compelled them to come. Amanda is suspicious, but Clay allows them to stay. The next morning, Rose is frustrated that the house internet and the TV are still down, which has prevented her from watching the series finale of Friends. I love Friends, by the way. Um, I, these days, I, I know a lot of people that don't like Friends. I don't know. I don't know what's to not like about Friends. It's funny. I get it. People's humor is different, you know. But I like Friends. Amanda notices news alerts on her phone about the blackout. And Rose witnesses a large herd of deer <laughs> attempting to learn more and fix the Wi-Fi. Clay drives to town while GH heads to his neighbor's house. 
Claire, uh, Clay encounters a Spanish-speaking woman, hysterical. This is this woman super hysterical, seeking help and a drone. Uh, dropping leaflets written in Arabic. While GH finds the neighbor's, neighbor's home, a miss discovers the wreckage of a plane crash and narrowly avoids a second crash. Elsewhere, Rose hikes along with Archie in the nearby woods, where they come across an empty shed and Archie removes a blood-flicked tick from his ankle on his way back. Alright, so I've I've gone through quite a bit of the plot, um, but I just want to touch on a couple of things here one is um when they meet george h scott and ruth uh with the door there's there's a very very awkward interaction between her and amanda clay doesn't have any problem with um these strangers at their door doesn't have any problem with uh trusting that these people are um owners of the house um this guy's very very lenient and easy to give his own trust uh, whereas Amanda's like the complete opposite. She's very suspicious. She's she doesn't she speaks her mind. She doesn't care about being like <laughs> offending people. Uh, there's there's a little bit of like racial undertones and the way she reacts, um, like the kind of comment that she says. She's like, "Oh, really? You people own this house or something along, along those lines." Um, so yeah, there's this already. There's a bit of tension between the characters and. If anything, there's there's good energy and there's good um, there's good focus on this type of conflict between the characters between the two families. Um, it's kind of exciting and kind of it's it's kind of the only thing that keeps you in this movie, um, keeps you focused and um, engaged in the movie. But even up until this point, like I'm pretty bored still. <laughs> it's not a lot. Like there's not a lot of like meat to, to kind of go. Yeah, this is exciting. I'm I'm, I'm excited to see what's next. You kind of like the the director Sam just goes through the motions, and it's very slow and it's, it's dreading. Um, the scene with uh, the Spanish-speaking lady, um, I thought that was going to amount to something, and it doesn't. It doesn't amount to anything. She's just hysterical, speaking Spanish. We don't know what she's talking about, and the movie doesn't even tell you eventually at any point what she's talking about like of course she's talking about the apocalypse but um again it's another one of those like so many events in this film where there's it leads to something but then it like it's it's leading you to something but eventually leads to nowhere um and then the plane crash like what i said before where uh, gh scott is um investigating the neighbor's house seemingly someone it looks like somebody broke in looks like um people have like ransacked the house but then you learn a little bit later that it was a plane crash um that caused all the the disaster in there um uh and, and you know and the house just kind of getting wrecked um it was all from a previous plane crash because another plane crash happens at the time that he's there so it's kind of like the director says hey look there's here's some mystery but then i'm going to give you the answer to what happened to this house um but <laughs> Just like a, just a bit, a little bit boring. <laughs> um, returning to the house, GH confides to Amanda uh, the events he witnessed. He theorizes that nationwide satellite connectivity has been disrupted, disrupted, but he is cut off by a loud, shrill noise. She recalls the man stocking water from yesterday, whom he assumes is Danny, his housing contractor. Clay returns shaken 
and shows the pamphlet, which Archie partially translates as Death to America, the highway, uh, Death to America, fed up, fed up, <laughs> sorry, fed up, the Sanfords leave the house, intending to drive to Amanda's sister in New Jersey, but find the highway jammed with collided self-driving Teslas. They narrowly avoid incoming cars that crash as well, and they are forced to return to Gigi's house. Throughout the night, Ruth asks Clay provocative questions and later discovers flamingos in the pool. <laughs> Amanda and G.H. establish a friendly bond, but a second shrill noise emerges, and the power fails. Later, Rose tells Amanda a story from an episode of The West Wing where God attempts to save a man from a flood with several warnings and escape opportunities. Okay, so again, covered quite a lot of the plot already. Um, just want to touch on this part where uh, Archie partially partially translates uh, "Death to America" um, because he mentions something that he saw. Uh, he knows this from a game that he's played recently. Um, this is again another one of those events where we we get a taste of something, but we get we don't get the whole thing. Um, doesn't lead anywhere. It's interesting. You know, it's, it's it's another bait and switch situation <laughs> um, with the self with the self driving Teslas. Um, that's also like a very interesting scene too, where it seems like the hackers have um, got a hold of the self driving AI tech inside Teslas and crashed all of them. I think they're all Model Threes or something, and it's created a blockade um, so that people can't go in and out of New York City interesting scene kind of cool lots of lots of anger lots of scare lots of fear for the characters but again it's just like i don't feel i don't feel any of this danger it's like i feel like i'm just spectating I'm not, i don't feel like i'm in the film i don't feel involved um and a lot of this is a lot of the fear is carried again by judy roberts um i don't know what they're trying to also like this movie has this uh this this thing where it's trying to deliver like subliminal messages about what they don't like or what the director doesn't like or maybe what the director doesn't um appreciate i don't know like in, in this day and age 21st century films and filmmakers a lot of them like to seep in stupid like political messages about like <laughs> their political beliefs and what they support and blah 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 um propagate their message look I, like i don't mind films doing that but sometimes when it's uh it's not a good film if you're trying to beat people over the head and bible bash people with your message um because it it, it distracts you from good storytelling most of the time you know so i feel like this guy's like trying to do a little bit of that he's trying to be a little bit skin sneaky um i could be wrong i don't know what do I know? I just review movies. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's kind of like the only exciting thing of the, <laughs> of the movie, but it's like you're kind of left with nothing by the end of it. And there's just, uh, again, another mystery, another mysterious event that doesn't give you anything. No answers, nothing. It's just more questions. The next morning, Archie's teeth inexplicably fall out, believing it is related to the tick bite. G.H. Suggests, vis suggests, suggests visiting Danny for medicine. 
Rose, however, is missing. GH and Clay take Archie to visit Danny while Amanda and Bruce search for her for Rose. At the shed, the two are confronted by a herd of deer, which they throw frightened away. Meanwhile, GH and Clay attempt to convince a stubborn Danny to help Archie, which results in a standoff between GH and Danny. A desperate Clay intervenes, convincing Danny to help Archie. Afterwards, Danny tells GH that another neighbor may be equipped with an underground bunker. Okay, so with the teeth uh, falling out situation, the teeth just simply supposed to be falling out. This is another one of those mysterious events. There's more questions around why is his teeth uh, pulling out. They The characters make suggestions about this could be the tick bite. This could be like... It could be the sound, you know, the, the crazy sounds. The, the sound, like this, the sound attack was pretty cool. It happens like two or three times in the movie. The loud shrill that I spoke about earlier in the recap. Um, these are these are cool ideas. These are great events. But I hate being the same drum. But I'm gonna say it again. It's just it's another one of those things, mysterious events that just lead to nowhere. Lead to nowhere. <laughs> um. Yeah, um, his, feet, his teeth fall out. They try and think of a solution by going to Danny. That leads to nowhere. They don't know why his teeth are falling out. There's no explanations. It's just at this point, at this point, it's just tiring. You know, just tiring. Um, Ruth and um, what's her face? Ruth and Amanda. You know they have this kind of standoff situation with the with the deer um they're just yelling at the deers and the deers are just kind of going huh huh, huh? <laughs> even the deers don't know what to do in this movie <laughs> uh um the deers were thinking the exact same thing that i was thinking and maybe what a lot of the audiences are, are thinking as well is like what the hell is this movie supposed to be and what is it trying to what is it supposed to be about where is it going and as the characters Amanda and Ruth keep shouting, the deers eventually split. They're kind of like, they, they they just gap it. They're like, oh, I'm getting out of here. It's like, yeah, I kind of feel the same way about this movie. I want to get out of here. Um, shaken, GH explains to Clay and Archie about three-page military campaign that could topple a country's government from within. A coup d'état. I don't know how to say that. I guess it's something to do with, like... Um, the dev defeats <laughs> the country being defeated the trio leave the bunker uh, leave for the bunker meanwhile amanda and ruth watch new york city being bombed meanwhile <laughs> meanwhile again rose has found the neighbor's house with the bunker inside a computer message warns of elevated radiation levels across multiple u.s cities she finds a dvd of friends and watches the series finale. And that is the end. That is literally how they end the movie. And they, the rolling credits has, like, it, it sort of transitions into the beginning of Friends, which is uh, that song, I'll Be There For You. Can't remember who it was from, like the Rembrandt or something like that. I'll be there for you. And then it transitions into the credit roll. And I heard... I'd had heard like murmurs about the ending being terrible and I think I saw some people post on Instagram that the ending is absolutely terrible. 
little did they know they watched a terrible film before they got to the terrible ending so it's actually not that surprising that it has that kind of ending because <laughs> again it's another one of those mysterious things like the movie is all about mysterious events that introduce the mysterious events and not give you an ending to any of those events and the movie ends the same way it's like the movie ends with the beginning of a tv series which is probably his meta way of saying yeah we don't know the ending or the outcome we just know the beginning and that folks is the plot and i would say leave this movie behind <laughs> Here's some last thoughts, maybe, on the review and the recap. Um, but Mahal, Mahala, um, playing Ruth Scott, she's got some skills. I want to see her do more, and I want to see her play a better, interesting character in a different movie that's a better movie that's better directed and written. Um, uh, Charlie Evans, I th I've seen him in somewhere. I can't remember where I've seen him in. Um, let me have a quick look on IMDb. Nope, I haven't seen him. In, seen 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 him. I haven't seen him anywhere. But I feel like I have. Nope, haven't seen him anywhere. Uh, yeah, like you know, uh, Farrah McKenzie. Yeah, maybe I want to see her a little bit more. But the one that I want to see mostly is Mahila, who played Ruth Scott. Um, she seems like she's got some skills, and I want to see her take on a better character, <laughs> a better movie. Um, some quick facts, okay? So, um, when Archie got sick, Rose left the Scots' house to look for supplies in the neighbor house and the neighboring houses because, unlike her family, she understood the signs that the world was ending and took heed. In the movie adaptation, so so that's actually from the book, by the way. In the movie adaptation. Of the leave world behind, Rose, who is obsessed with friends, is shown in the Thorns' house uh, watching the final episode of the show. However, the movie leaves out that Rose goes back to her family after ransacking the house and taking medication, batteries, and band aids. In the book, Amanda, who thought she would never see her daughter again, cries with joy when they are reunited. Now, apparently, the movie takes a lot of liberties. And changes a lot of things. Like maybe, maybe that's a controversial thing as well. Um, it's it's no news that movies change a lot of things when they adapt it from book. Um, but in this case, it sounds like this guy's taken a lot of liberty in changing everything. I'd be interested to read the book. Actually, the book sounds a bit more a lot well, not a bit more a lot more interesting than the film. Here's another fact. Denzel Washington was cast but dropped out and was placed by Mahasha Ali. See, it's because Denzel is smart. He probably read the script and was like, no way I am going to act in this movie. Sounds terrible. <laughs> I mean, he played like, he played a character. He, he was the lead um, role in a movie called Book of Ali. A Book of Ali, Book of Eli. Um, and, and that's like a post-apocalyptic kind of thriller film. And that was that was a good film. Uh, you know, maybe Denzel like saw this and was like, "Yeah, it kind of reminds me of what I did 
previously, but the movie that I done previously was a lot better than the shit that I'm reading. <laughs> Maybe that's what he how he felt. Um, here's another fact: the dead pilot on the beach is wearing the name tag that says Captain Ismail. Ishmael, I guess, is probably how you pronounce his name. Which is the director, Sam Ishmael. Another fact. When Julie Roberts' character Amanda is in the kitchen demanding to know what G.H. Scotch knows, the painting behind her resembles the moment that red flyers float down from the drone onto car, Clay's car. Now, I, I read that there's like a lot of these kind of Easter eggs in the film. That kind of seems interesting. But you know what? I'm not that interested enough to go back and revisit this film just to look at these Easter eggs. I'm, I'm happy to just leave this damn movie behind. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or another and here's one more fact for the film before we wrap up one of the biggest mysteries in the leave the world behind is the creepy deer the libra and leave the world behind the appearance of the deer is a warning sign from nature that the world is about to change the uncharacteristic appearance of so many deer resulted from a cyber attack that changed their migration patterns okay the book reveals that years after rose's family dies oh okay so the book Tells us that Rose's family dies. The next generation of deer is born as white as unicorns. Uh, geneticists would discover that the deer turned white because of the intergenerational trauma that came from them losing their home. <sighs> Sounds rubbish. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to disappoint anybody who might have thought this movie might have been good. Um, if you're listening to this review and recap... And you really love the film. I'd like to know what you what you loved about it. I'm really interested to, to hear your thoughts and um, what, what you thought about the movie. Like, you know, what, what are some things that I'm... Am I speaking out of line here? What are some things that you saw that I didn't point out on this review and recap? I'd love to know what your thoughts are. Um, you can hit me up on Instagram at Legit Cool Podcast. If you forget that, then you can have a look at the show notes, which shows you the social media handles, both Instagram and Facebook. But Instagram is kind of where you want to hit me up. Hit me up in the comments or DM me, however which way you like. Um, but I'm going to give this movie a review rating of 5 out of 10. Now, after all I've said in this review and recap, it's, you probably think that I would have a lower rating, but I think it... I don't think it deserves like a three or a four because this movie wasn't it like this movie wasn't absolutely terrible. It kept me interested enough because there's kind of enough scripting and screenplay that's happening on on screen, um, and actors that do an okay job at it. like there was enough to kind of keep me in there. But again, it's like what I was saying before: it's that bait and switch thing, which I'm kind of um kind of a uh, sad about <laughs> uh but you know like the movie kind of looks all right like uh, i think the, the cinematography looks fine um <sighs> maybe they're limited in the budget i i, I don't know why like i'm, I'm kind of dumbfounded in, as to what sam ishmael was trying to do with this movie but um yeah you know um it's it's okay <laughs> i don't think it deserves three or four it's a 5 out of 10 for me. Um, if you enjoyed this review and recap, please please be sure to hit the notification button 
the bell notification. Um, so you know when the next one drops, we do weekly episodes. Um, the next one we're going to be reviewing and recapping. Um, this is actually quite a lot in the lineup. We've got Wonka coming up. We have Man of Steel, Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, Aquaman, which came out a few days ago. I'm yet to go see that. That's Aquaman 2, Lost Kingdom. Sounds terrible. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to be reviewing that. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's quite a lot. So stay tuned. Hit that notification button so then you know when the next one drops. With that being said, thank you so much for listening. I will see you soon. Bye-bye.